0: Well, morena, ketchup uh, here, doing? How you doing? Ketchup, pie. is that it? Two ketchup pies. Everyone else fired as normal. Uh, and Buenos dias, cómo estás? Cómo estás, Bien. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, super emocionado, emocionado. Excited, super excited. I'm always excited to preach, so. When, you, when I say good morning to the Spanish speakers, the standard reply is always muy bien, and I'm always trying to say something cool, but I don't think it works, so <laughs> I don't know, judge me later. Hey, just a side note, I'm super excited to preach, and so I'm going to have to calm myself down a bit, because I'm going to get lost, because I'm just pretty pumped. There's a little bit at the end, and I texted someone this morning, and said every time I go over this, because I preached it on Thursday or Friday or whatever for the church online, I just got so excited and kept praying for that person, so I'm really excited. So I should, Maybe I shouldn't have built it up like that, and everyone's like, man, this is going to be the greatest sermon ever, and then you're going to be like, where's this clown coming from? I don't know. Anyway, I'm excited. Um, I was singing this week, this is kind of funny, I was thinking, this is a, it's, as a pastor, you cheat in Christianity, Right? So I get paid to pray for people, right? How many of you get paid to go and pray for people? I get paid to catch up with someone for a coffee and, like, encourage them and pray for them. And I was like, man, that's like... Because heaps of you would be like, oh, bro, I'd be keen to get paid to go and have coffee and pray. And then I was thinking, even worse, I don't know, I get paid to study the Bible. And I was like, I'm sure heaps of you would be like, Oh, bro, can I get paid to study the Bible? I'm super keen. So, <laughs> like, nah, just me, Better like you guys. Um, but I do feel like I kind of cheat sometimes. But one of the things that I find a lot is I get really distracted. I'm like the master of getting distracted. So, anyone else just really good at getting distracted? Anyone? A few of us? Yeah. Noah, Jackson. Yeah, Jackson and Noah. Oh my gosh. Um, and so, I do my sermon prep on Tuesday. So, normally, Tuesday is sermon prep day. I try and set the whole day aside. And not have meetings, but I always fail and end up with a whole bunch of meetings in there and the day usually turns to custard. But I foolishly, because I love church people, um, I usually do my sermon prep in the cafe and I often sit in the window right at the front and I'll be sermon prepping away, but then I'll be sermon prepping away and then because I live for distraction, then like Al will turn up and I'm like, hey Al, and I'll go and chat with Al and he'll like encourage me to craziness and then... Your Hannah will turn up, or Roz will turn up with veggies, and it's like, oh, thanks, Roz, take the veggies for people in need. And, and so my whole day, and then I get emails, and the day is just complete chaos. So it's distraction, right? I'm just distracted, distracted, distracted. So um, I'm talking a bit about distractions um, today. So I'm going to start with a terrible story. Now, I'm a little bit nervous because I might actually be breaking the law in this story. So if you feel the need to turn me into the cops, go for it, it's between you and Jesus, (laughs) because we'll see what happens, so if I'm not here next Sunday, it's because I've been arrested and thrown into prison, so you can visit me in in prison, right, Um, so as you know, I love riding a scooter, so I have a little scooter, and I blast around the city on it, it's super cool, and like I've talked about, I love, like one of my rules on my scooter is I worship music, my headphones on, worship music, and I just sing, and just love it, I'm so connected with God, and it's just like, oh! But the danger is I get super distracted, and I'm super not concentrating, and I've nearly been squashed. So don't tell Joe this, my wife. I've nearly been squashed so many times now; it's ridiculous. So the other day, like two quick stories. Both of these probably illegal, so feel free to get me arrested. Um, I was I took some meals over to someone at the JCC office, which is I don't know Drive, five ten minutes by scooter <laughs> away. And went over there and dropped the meals off and I had a little backpack on with the frozen meals in there and dropped them off and yada yada. And I was jumping on my scooter and I was all like, I'm serving Jesus, this is so cool. Got my worship music playing and I came out and I was blasting down the road and there was a white van coming straight towards me. And I was like, what is this idiot doing on the wrong side of the road? And I'm on my scooter and he was getting closer and the look on his face was like, and then I realized I was on the wrong side <laughs> of the road and I was so busy like worshiping and singing away and I was like, ah, and I got out of the road and I was like, Kind of trying to change my, like, what an idiot face to my sorry bro face. Oh, I don't know, stupid. And then my favourite one, and this was actually a little bit close, was, um, so you know Ward Street, just in town, where the new environment, environmental Waikato building is? Kind of diagonal from um, Girls High. So after that incident, I was like, I need to actually focus, because I am and get squashed, and that's just not good for anyone. Um, although I do have a good life insurance, so Jost might be like, yeah. No, I don't know. That was meant to be a joke, because Joe doesn't want me to get squashed. A few of you are like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea, actually. Might buy my husband a scooter, you're (laughs) thinking. Nah. Um, So anyway, I come down Ward Street, and there's really good cycle lanes uh, on there. And so I'm trying to be way more serious now, worship music, singing away like a clown, scootering through the middle of town. And I'm in the cycle lane, being good, and then a car that was going the same way as me, suddenly just cut right in front of me to go into an underground car park, and I had to do the whoa up on the curb, and I didn't give the guy a dirty look, but I did give him a kind of a shock look, and then as I went round him to go back on the road, I realised again I was on the wrong side of the road, so I was in the cycle lane, but on the wrong side, going the wrong way, and I was like, what an idiot, so I did think about scootering down the underground car park and apologising, but I don't know. Anyway. My whole point is I get pretty distracted on the scooter, so I'm actually thinking maybe no music or something? I don't know. Um, hey, one of the things I've talked a lot about this year is uh, the importance of spending time with God, right? So i talked heaps about that, and, and whether it's um, a little bit of time in the morning, a little bit of time at night, um, maybe your day's real chaotic, and so uh, during your lunch break, um, or you chuck the kids in a pram, and for a little walk around your community, just to spend time with Jesus, there's that massive importance of just a connection, right? Daily if you can, if not at least once a week, you're just setting aside a little bit of time to just be with God, and maybe you read the Bible, or listen to the Bible, or you listen to some worship music. But in talking to heaps of you, myself included, we have this good intention, but we keep getting distracted. We keep getting distracted, and by the end of the week, you're like, I had all these plans, but this thing cropped up, and that thing cropped up, and Distractions come in and just kind of steal us away from spending really good time with Jesus. Um, today, the people are super distracted, um, but they're not distracted by silly emails and things like that. They're distracted by this insanely massive storm. And did you notice in the, in the passage that Roz read, how long did they go without food? Two weeks. I'm like, how are they alive? <laughs> it's like, what are they? Because they're so distracted by what's really important because of this um, crazy storm, right? Um, I was reading a really good book this week and, and studying for this by Warren Wesby. Anyone know Warren Wesby? Like famous author, preacher. Yeah, He's like, yeah, that's cool. Well, she wasn't like, yeah, sorry. She was just like, yes, that was me. Um, he's a le- legend. So I've stolen a couple of his um, points from his outline that I thought were just super cool. So that's where we're going to go. So here's the first one. Storms often come when we disobey the will of God. Storms often come when we disobey the will of God. Right? Hey, if you've got your Bible, jump over to um, Acts 27. We're going to read. Um some bits. So Roz has already read it, so we've got all the context and all the all that good stuff. Um, but let's just read verses ten and eleven. All right, read 10. So this is Paul speaking and he says, Men, he said, I believe there's trouble ahead if we go on. Shipwreck. I love this, right? I believe there's trouble ahead if we go on shipwreck, loss of cargo, danger to our lives as well. It just gets worse and worse every every line. But the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain uh, and the owner than to Paul. Um, so one of the things in in studying this passage, there's a lot of debate about is this Paul being prophetic? Is he had a word from God? Because later on, an angel visits him and he's able to say very clearly some stuff. Um, is this a, um, a a prophecy? Right, a word. That, that Paul's got from God, or is it um, just him being pretty sure? So, like, thinking, oh, my gosh, the, this time of the year. So a couple of things. This time of year is really dangerous for sailing, and by now you've normally stopped sailing because the wind and it just starts getting real crazy, so they did it. Um, also, Paul has done a lot of sailing. So if you think back, by this time, we're at the end of Acts now, Paul's sailed through the Mediterranean a ton of times. Um by this time, Paul's been shipwrecked three times. And so it's really possible, like, is it a prophecy thing? Or is it like, he's like, hang on, I've been shipwrecked three times. It's getting to the end of the, the time for sailing. Dudes, we shouldn't go. So most of the commentators, or well, nearly all of them, say the way he says it with such confidence that they think God said to him, hey, you guys should stay here, don't go. And then as we know, they go, and then it all turns to complete custard, right? Massive storm, um, they just totally lose uh, Lose everything, right? Um, There's a really funny verse that comes up a little bit later on. Um, Where are we? In verse 21. So jump down to verse 21. I just find this really funny. So he said to them, I don't think we should go. And they're like, nah, we're off. And then jump down to verse 21. Um, This is so funny. I'll read it like this Um, No one had eaten for a long time. We find out later on, it's two weeks, right? Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, And how does he say this? So often when I read the Bible, I try and imagine their tone. Does it make sense? Yeah, Craig, it makes sense. Shot team, such a good team. And I always think he says this kind of arrogantly. Men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left creep. You would have avoided all this damage um, and loss. I always just find it so funny. He's the most loving guy. You read Paul's letters such a loving, caring, beautiful guy, but it really feels like here he stands up and does a giant, I told you so, I tried to tell you, you didn't listen to me, and everything's turned to custard, right? Um, I don't think God ever goes to us, (laughs) Um, but I think there's heaps of times when we know deep in our gut that God told us to do something or told us not to do something. We disobeyed, and it turns to custard, right? (laughs) And later on, we don't hear God go, But we often hear God say, really? <laughs> I told you clearly, I wanted you to do that. And we're like, oh, nah. Or, I don't want you to do that. And we're like, oh, nah. And then, it turns to custard and we're like, oh, man, I should have obeyed, right? I should have obeyed. That, to me, the classic example of this is Jonah, right? Let's jump down to um, Jonah chapter one and, and read this because it's real similar, um, a real similar kind of story. So, hopefully you're in your Bible, eh? like I say all the time, I could just be making this up. So, it's good to, Follow along and check it out. Um, So back in Jonah chapter 1, real similar idea where he disobeys God and everything turns to to a mess, right? Um, The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son son of uh, Amitar. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I've seen how wicked its people are. And then verse 3 is just so funny. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord, which I'm like, really? You can't escape from God by sailing to Tarshish. But the Lord heard a powerful wind and there's the storm and then he gets swallowed by a fish and everything. Now, if you think of it on a map, I'm going to turn my back to you because otherwise I'll get my directions around the wrong way. So if we're looking at a map and Israel is like here um, and uh, Nineveh is that way, right? So Nineveh's to the west, and Tarshish is directly to the east. And so he literally is meant to go here, to the west, and he literally gets on a ship and is like, now! It's only a complete opposite direction. And I was thinking about it this week, and it's like, I know none of you do that, because you're super spiritual, but I know sometimes I do. I know God's calling me to do something, and I'm just kind of like, oh, that's really hard, God. That's going to be really And I kind of justify and sneak away. Anyone with me? Yeah some of you especially. No, I'm joking. Um, I don't know. My whole point A is that, man, I, I wish I was better at just hearing God and obey, hearing God and obey. And I'm, I'm getting better as I'm getting older, but there's still times where I just know he's saying do this or don't do this, and I'm a little bit slow to respond, and meanwhile, things get a little bit crazy. Hey, okay, so let's do a little um, bit of a chat here. So, I've got a couple of questions, so let me read out these questions and then we'll talk about it a bit. So, here's some questions. Storms are hard. God loves us so much. So, why does God allow storms in our lives? And I I put, please try and answer this in a practical way. So, why does God allow storms in our lives? And I I want you to try and be practical when you talk, not just like um, to help us trust God. It's like, cool. What does that mean? What does that look like in someone's life where they had a storm and it helped them to trust God? What would be the change? that's the practical part okay or you could do the second question Um, why does obedience not always bring blessing or do you disagree so why does obedience not always bring blessing because God's not a genie right you don't rub your Bible the right way and God's like whoa I better serve you because you obeyed me I better bless he doesn't have to right so why what's up with that Okay, so what we do, there's um, some visitors here today. So what we do as a church, we have a little chat now for a couple of minutes. Um, so if you're a visitor or your God's just speaking to you, because sometimes you're like, whoa, I need to talk to God. I don't want to talk to this crazy person beside me. So the deal here is you just stare at the screen. So if you're staring at the screen, then everyone will leave you alone. But if you're looking around, then they're like, yeah, pounce, and I'll talk to you, okay? So we'll just take a couple of minutes, a couple of questions, grab a friend or a random person you're sitting beside, have a little chat, and then we'll carry on. Cool, cool. Okay, what do you reckon, eh? A few thoughts from either of those questions? So I'll get the ball rolling. So um, Takashi, he said, and I thought it was super cool, is um, one of the things you learn is God is always bigger than the storm. And I was like, oh, come on, bro. That's good, eh? Okay, they're eh? nodding. This is not a responsive church, right? I'm always, like, trying to ask you to respond. Sorry. I know I need to stop that. I don't know. It's just me being weird. What else? What other, Any other thoughts about why does God allow storms? Any other thoughts? I think it's to call on God. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good, Louise. Eh? That's so cool. We can always call on God. He's not away on vacation or on the bathroom like we read in the Old Testament. He's there, ready to help. So cool. Anyone else? I oh, know it's terrifying yelling out in church. All good. What about the second one? Why does obedience not always bring blessing? Anyone talk about that one? Yeah, Annette, what do you reckon? Oh, knuckles. So uh, just so you heard Annette, she said there's always blessing, but often the blessing we're looking for is not the way God's blessing us. Does that make sense, eh? That's kind of what she said. Oh, so good, eh? All right, anyone else or we'll cruise on? Oh, that's so cool, eh? Did you guys hear that? It's okay. Sorry, she's saying... If you didn't have the storms, then you wouldn't see the times that God's kind of rescued you or helped you in the, those real hard, deep times. You don't have that testimony of God going, I've got you in the middle of the storm. Oh, that's so good, eh? Oh, so good. See, that's why I get you guys to talk, because you're way smarter than me. You yeah, was that better than me? It's so cool. All right. Um, so kind of a side note here, but uh, Warren Wesby had this cool quote, which I thought was real interesting. So um, let me read this. However, it was not Paul who was at fault, but the centurion in charge of the ship. And this, last, this next line's pretty grunty. We sometimes suffer because of the unbelief of others. <laughs> um, I kept reading that this week, and I just kept thinking, oh, my gosh, I wonder how many people in our church, or, hey, Kilda um, podcast people, um, I wonder how many people in our church are suffering, uh, not because they're disobeying God, but because someone in their, their circle... <laughs> Is disobeying God. They've been horrible to them. They've done something horrible to them, and and someone is just experiencing heartache or pain or burden or something, and it's not you <laughs> who's at fault. It's someone around you. Makes sense, eh? So I just want to pray. Uh, I'm, I think I'm allowed to pray in the middle of my sermon um, for anyone who's just feeling like that. So let me just pray. Yeah. Yeah. Kia ora, atua. um. Yeah, thank you that you are always with us. Uh, Thanks, like Noel was saying, man, even in a massive storm, you are there. You will guide us through. I'll I pause right now and i call out to you in the name of Jesus for anyone uh, listening on podcast or here in church that's just having a really hard time because a family member, or a close friend, someone they work with or something is oh, just causing their life to be so tough, God. Um, you are sovereign and we always submit to your will, but I would really pray that there'd be a change in that that there would be some breakthrough, some change in the relationship or something, so that that struggle, that hardship, that burden they're carrying would change. Um, But if that's not your will, I pray you continue to give them your strength, your power, your endurance, your peace, your joy to hold on uh, through the storm, God. Yeah, Yeah, we'd love it if you just (laughs) zapped all the storms away, but we know that's not the way uh, you want to grow us. (laughs) So encourage them, God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Okay. it says second point. Um, Even the worst storms cannot hide the face of God or hinder the purposes of God. I love that line. Every time this week I kept reading it, I was like, oh, that's so cool. Because the first part feels a bit heavy. This is so cool. I'm going to read it again. Even the worst storms cannot hide the face of God or hinder the purposes of God. Oh, my gosh. I love that. It's good. Good A. You with me? So good, eh? Hey, let's read a little bit more. So we're going to read verse 21. Um, So out of Jonah, back to Acts. Um, Acts 27. Starting in verse 21. Um, So we already read this, and maybe he's saying it arrogantly. Maybe he sees it really nicely because he loves them. I don't know. So I'll read verses 21 to 26. Uh, No one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, and I'll read this in a nice voice because maybe he's nice. Men... (laughs) You should have listened to me in the first place and not left creep. You would have avoided all this damage and loss. And then this next bit's amazing. But take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. I love, this is kind of a funny thing, because he's like, none of you will lose your lives. And they're all like, yay. And he's like, even though the ship will go down. Now, in their time, when a shipwrecked, nearly everyone died. It's just completely crazy. So it's kind of wild how he sees that. And then verse 23 is just amazing. For last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve. Oh, I love that. We're going to come back to that sentence because that's so cool. Stood beside me and he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you, so take courage. For I believe God and it will be just as he said. And then this next verse, is because they're all like, yeah, we're all going to survive. It's going to be God's got us and angels appeared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the next verse is hilarious but we'll all be shipwrecked on an island. It's like, oh. It's so, I just find Paul pretty funny. Eh? And let me tell you a crazy story, right? Um, I think I've told you this before, so bad luck. Um, so I've only yachted a few times, and normally it seems to be terrifying. And so Jose's um, father-in-law had a, just a little yacht, like 16 foot, so pretty tiny. Father-in-law, what did I say? Your father, my father-in-law. Shut up, Jose. I'm going to stand right over here. <laughs> Joyce can't correct my theology. No. Nah. Um, so my father-in-law, Joseph's dad, um, had a little yacht, 16 foot, so it's pretty small, right? And um he's nearly killed every one of his sons-in-law, which is kind of terrifying, and a few of his own kids, because he's kind of crazy, right? Um so we we yachtted from round by Thames, up round the Coromandel, and down the other side to and at Bowentown it's by Wahee. You know Wahee, eh, Bowentown? Yep. And so we took a couple of days. Side note, I was in charge of the food, and I just totally stuffed it up, and we really only had enough food for like half a day. And then he was like, oh, so what are we having next? And I was like, man, we're out. I'm really sorry, bro. I don't know what I was thinking. So by now we're really hungry, and I was feeling terrible. Anyway, um, so we went to come into Waihee and this massive storm came up, like a serious grunty-ass storm. And we were getting blo- and it was coming off the um, land, so we were getting blown way out to sea. So we were a kilometre or two out in this tiny little boat, Um, Not that tiny, but a little boat. And the waves, and I know it's like one of those fishing stories where it's like, the fish was this big, but it was little. But these waves were massive, way higher than the boat. And we would be up on the top, and then you know how you go down to the thing, and it was just terrifying. And the waves are breaking onto the boat. We're just getting smashed. He's trying to do the rudder thing, and on the sail, bang the sail, do the thing. I'm sprinting around, getting smashed on the side. I had to go down, and I was just getting so sore. And super terrified. So he was pretty chill, but I was, I was pretty sure we were going to die because it was really scary, right? Massive waves, the boat's tipping, you know, and the whole holding on and all this crazy stuff. So we tried to come into the channel. So there's a really good channel at Bowentown, which is why we were going in there, but it's quite narrow. Um, so it's between Bowentown and Matakana, the island, right? And so we tried to come in about three times, and every time we tried to come in, we were just getting smashed by the waves. And he'd be like, nah, this is not working Turn around." go back out and okay well, let's try again and we're starting to freak out, um, I was freaking out quite badly and then the next minute my phone rang in the cabin, is that what it's called? Eh? The hull? The cabin? I don't know what it is. The cabin of the yacht and I was like we're just getting smashed right and I was like oh, I bet you it's Joes because she knew we were coming in around then so I went down into the cabin, got absolutely destroyed because of what and it was just chaos Find my, found my phone, I answer it and it was my brother-in-law and he's like what the heck are you guys doing? And I was like, what are you saying? We're about to die, ah, sort of thing. And he, what he'd done is he was leaving for work, and he thought, oh, they're coming in any minute. So he went up to that big hill. You know, there's that big hill at Bowentown at the end of the big beach, Wai Wai he. So he'd gone up there to see if he could see us, and he could see us. And so he's ringing. He's like, what are you guys doing? He said, there's a really good channel, but you keep missing it, and you're going to the, the port, I don't know what they were, the left to the right. He said, what are you doing? And I'm like, Ah, you know we're about to die. And so I gave the phone to my father-in-law, my father-in-law, and on the phone, um, my brother-in-law just guided us to the channel, and it was super freaky because you couldn't see it. You just the waves were so huge you couldn't like, oh, there's the channel. So we'd be coming in, and then all of a sudden the wind was just crazy. We having to tack because we're coming into the wind, so we'd be tacking and we'd be getting blo- and the waves would get crazy, and then the phone would ring again. My father-in-law was like trying to yatch us, yacht us. What a weird word, yacht. Seriously. It should be yatch, shouldn't it? <laughs> anyway, so, and he's trying to sail or whatever you call it, a rudder thing, and then he'd be like, you too far left, go back to the and they he'd be like, oh, it's a bit more calm, and then, oh, we're getting smacked back to the others. Oh, it's was just crazy. Okay, and we got in. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, my gosh, it was terrifying. Um, now, here's my point. That was a random story, right? Here's my point. Paul didn't have a brother-in-law... <laughs> on a hill, <laughs> on a cell phone. Paul, where are you guys going? Are you ready? But here, Jesus. <laughs> I, this, I get quite emotional when I think about this. Paul, they would be freaking out. So the, shipwreck, the number of shipwrecks at this time is just insane. And when I was studying it, they said most of the ships with this wind, this nor- northeaster that comes through, they get blown down to where Libya is. And off the coast of Libya is just rocks and shoals and they said if you get blown there, you just die. And they, because remember, they navigate by the stars and, and the sun, and it's been cloudy for this whole time. So they literally have no idea where they are. They would be terrified, absolutely terrified. And then I go, and God's like, "I got you, Paul. <laughs> Sending an angel." I'm like, imagine how terrified they would be, and how terrified Paul was. And then the next, minute, and I'd love to hear what the angel says. I always imagine the angel just kind of appearing, and Paul's like, "What the?" And the angel's like, "God's got you, bro." God's got you, Paul. He's, he's going to save everyone. I'm just like, oh, so cool. Cool away. Cool? Oh, so cool. Hey, so um, I love quotes, like you know. And so I just grabbed a few of those. Like there's so many Christian quotes that always um, start with, God may not calm the storm, but, right, and then they have all these cool things to say. So I just grabbed three. And you might sit there and be like, those are just lame, bro. You're so uncool, but I don't care. But my prayer is that maybe one of these three, you might connect with and be like, oh, that's actually cool. I need to hold on to that. And, and the storms of life. Because here's my thing. If you're not in a storm now, there's one around the corner. Amen? There's just always another one coming. And you need to be connected to God, right? So here's, here's a couple of little um, quotes. God may not calm the storm, but he will make a way through the storm. Awesome, may. And maybe that's you, eh? Hey? Maybe at the moment you were in a storm and I just want to say to you with 100% promise because God is legit. He's got you in it. He'll take you through the storm, right? He will make a way through the storm. I love that. This next one's super cool. Here's the next one. Sometimes God does calm the storm but sometimes he lets the storm rage and he calms his child. I was like, man, that's cool, eh? Sometimes you're like, God, you have got to stop the storm. I can't do this. And then you're like... I'm so at peace. What the heck? And the weirdest one is when people say to you, how are you holding it together? What's happening to you is so insane. How, and you're like, I, God's got me. <laughs> sometimes God does calm the storm, but sometimes he lets the storm rage and calms his child. Mm, I love that. Um, here's the last one. I love this one. God may not lead us into the storm, but he will give us the power to overcome it. I love that, eh? Doesn't just lead us through it, but sometimes he gives us the power to to overcome it. Oh, I so love that. Okay. I, just, I need to say, if you're in a massive storm, we'd love to pray with you, right? We're a church that prays. like We have pre-meetings all the time. It's just nuts. So if you're feeling this morning like, man, I have got a storm. I need some prayer then. We'd love you at the end of the service, hey, just come up and there's heaps of us that would love to just pray with you eh? and ask God to remind you he's got you in the storm and show you a way through. So, Okay, I want to um, finish by looking at this verse. So I just, I love this verse. So this is Joseph's favourite verse. So she knew I was preaching on x 27. The other morning she was having a quiet time and I um, went into where she was. She's like, oh my gosh, you've got to read this verse. It's so cool. Ah, I went completely crazy. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's such a cool verse. I need to preach on it. Ah, so, so cool. So it's this phrase in the middle. For last night, an angel of, of the God, and this is the bit I want to unpack. Uh, to whom I belong, whom I serve. Stood beside me, and I just love those two phrases. So the the serve one's kind of obvious, right? If you're a Christian, and you're not serving, then you need to check in with God, because the Bible's filled with we need to serve, right? We've got to be. There's we're gifted by the Spirit. How are we serving? That's not rocket science, right? But it's that little phrase, "Whom I belong." I, and I just I just love this. Um, so we're going to look at a couple of verses um, here. So in when you t- think about us belonging to God, there's a lot of analogies in the Bible about different. Um, explaining the ways that we belong to God, right? There's heaps of them. And I just chose these three. So sheep, children, and property. Kind of weird, eh? That God calls us as property. So we'll just look at each of these verses. Um, and I'm just going to make a quick comment on each one. So you got your Bible. Go over to John. Uh, where are we going? John ten 3. I'm always debating with myself, what is my favorite chapter in the Bible? And it, it nearly always ends up defaulting back to John chapter 10. I just love this, eh? Um, to John chapter 10 verse 3 and we're thinking about us belonging to God and being sheep and it says the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and I love to say the sheep recognize his voice and come to him he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out after he's gathered his own flock I love this for he walks ahead of them and they follow him why do they follow him because they know his voice I'm just like oh my gosh so hands up who agrees with me that sheep are idiots I mean oh my gosh So now Tom always mocks me, and he's justifiably, when I say this, as a past shepherd of actual sheep, I had like three, right, so it's not really, I'm like, not even a shh, I'm like a, I don't know, we had seven, my record was seven, but we hit summer and it was just disastrous because we didn't have grass and we had to eat them, which was good, but anyway, that's a weird place to go with this analogy of us being sheep and belonging to God, okay, so back, focus, Craig, focus. Um, Sheep are just idiots, and the number of times their heads are stuck in the fence or they've done something stupid, and I'm just like, oh, I used to get so angry with them. And I find it really interesting that God uses these, like, these cool analogies of children and these other ones, but one of the analogies He uses all the time is we're sheep, and we're just like, yeah, that's because a lot of the time we are just stupid. <laughs> and I'm sure there's a lot of times where God's like, really? Your head's stuck in the fence again, even though I've pulled you out that many times. But he comes to us, not like me, in anger. He comes to us in love. He's like, hey, it's okay. You got yourself into this situation. Remember the first point? Because we disobeyed. <laughs> and he comes to us in love, and he's like, hey, you crazy sheep. People would not even say crazy. And he gets our head out again, right? I love that. I, I personally love the reality that I belong to God. I'm quite happy to be a sheep, because I'm an idiot. And I know he comes to me in love. And, oh, Oh I just think oh, anyway, oh, I just I'm just always amazed with God's love and patience, right? I've been a Christian for a long time now, I should know better, but I still do stupid sin things and don't treat Joes perfectly, you know, and all this kind of stuff, and God never smashes me. <laughs> He never comes to me in anger. He comes to me in love and forgiveness and restoration and care. You know what I mean, eh? I just love it. So maybe that's you. Maybe you're a sheep, and you're like, oh, my gosh, perfect analogy. I'm an idiot when it comes to serving God. I know I am. Hey, let's look at the next one before I burst into tears even more. Um, Romans 8, 15. Um, this is such a cool one, eh? So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit, and I love to say, when he adopted you as his own children, and now we call him Abba Father. Um, this is such a funny phrase. So I have um, a friend who's Jewish, and they, when they became a Christian, they thought it was hilarious how ridiculous Christians get over that phrase, Abba Father, because they just grew up speaking Hebrew and calling their, their dad Abba. And then they became a Christian, came to church, and someone's preaching like, Abba, and everyone's like, whoa, that's, and they're like, what a bunch of weirdos. This is just how we say it. Um, but the cool thing they said is that it doesn't, it's, a lot of times we say it's like daddy, but. The way Jewish people talk, or my Jewish friends talk about Abba, is it's way more personal and comforting and connecting and deep. It's a lot gruntier than just dad or daddy, right? So this is another whole analogy. You've got the sheep one, we're crazy, and he forgives and restores. But then you have this beautiful phrase where he's like, you are my children. Even though he is almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, the most powerful being ever, he says, but come to me and love. Come to me and say... This is what's going on, comfort. Oh, I just love that, eh? Love that. And this last one's wild, right? The last one is this, um, this property. So bounce over to 1 Corinthians um 6:19. So this one says, don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you Oh, and was given to you by God? Thank you, Jesus, for giving us the Holy Spirit. Oh, my gosh. You do not belong to yourself, right? <laughs> for God bought you with a high price. So you must honour God with your body. Um, I didn't know this before. When I was studying this week, I found out that what Paul's probably referring here to is when a king in their time would conquer another nation, they would take a lot of their most prized possessions. They'd clean out their temple, they'd clean out the palace and all this stuff and bring it back. And when they brought it back, though, they would then stamp on it the, the name of the king. They'd have a seal and they'd stamp it on all this property that they'd taken. And the message was to say, this is now my property. It wasn't but it's now my property, it belongs to me. And the bit I loved was that they were basically saying, you mess with my property, and you mess with me. And I was reading that this week, just being like, oh my gosh, I just love being a Christian. Because I feel like, I've got a few tattoos, in case you notice, um, but I feel like I'm walking around with a massive stamp on my chest that says, this guy belongs to God. And then the cool thing I love is like, and you mess with me, and you mess with him. And I'm pretty tough and scary, nah. But he is the creator of the universe. <laughs> he is Almighty God, and I am His, and I belong to Him. Oh man! I hey, said, so just pause for a second. Do you fit into one of these categories? You're a sheep, and you're like, oh man, my head's always stuck. You know? <laughs> um, is it that you need to hear that this morning? you have that child, that that close connection, that deep connection with God. Um, or maybe you need to hear that stamp. Man, you belong to God. If you're a Christian, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. You belong to him. Anyone messes with you and they, they mess with God. Oh, I love that. Hey, let me finish with this little quote. I just love this quote. An older gentleman who was known for his godly life was asked what he does when he's tempted. And he replied, well, I just look up to heaven and say, Lord, your property's in danger. <laughs> it's cool, eh? Hey, um, Etzu, let's all stand up and let me pray for us. And Yeah. Yeah, Almighty God, oh, man. I know there's a whole bunch of us sitting here right now that are just like, oh my gosh, amen. We are so thankful. We are so excited. Uh, we are so deeply grateful that we are yours, that we were bought at a price, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Um, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit and we literally walk around with a, like a giant stamp on us saying, I am God's. I don't belong to myself. I belong to him. He has me. I just thank you so much for the security, the comfort, the peace that it can give us in the middle of a storm and just in the middle of normal life. Eh? thank you for making that so clear to us, God. Um, yeah, I, I I really pray too for anyone that's wrestling with that right now. Um, I know heaps of us feel really unworthy in that. We feel, yeah, this is cool, but <laughs> this is cool for other people, but not me because things I've done, things that have been done to me, things I'm doing, um, I just really call out to you in the name of your son Jesus Christ right now and I ask for those people that are doing the but, that you would help them in your time to move to that place of, yeah, I belong to God. Ah! <laughs> and be able to say that with joy and ownership and, and no but in their God, that'd be awesome. So guide them, yeah. Yeah, pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, enoho, have a seat.